0: in his love these things i've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this that someone lays down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what i command you no longer do i call you servants He may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. There you go. Uh, I just love that passage. I, I, so beautiful. Um, I, look, I was very interested this morning in that little phrase, and have been just for a few days. As the Father, um, or as I have loved you, rather. That phrase there, as I have loved you, which is there in um, in John and it's in um, the 15th chapter, it's in the 13th chapter, and it's also, interestingly, in Ephesians 5, as Christ has loved the church, when he's talking about uh, marriage. So you you get it really on three occasions in, in the scriptures, where we're referred to the love of Christ, and And that is presented as a standard and as a motive as to how we're to love one another, you know, and how we're to love our spouse or in particular our wife. Um, a it's a a lovely phrase, which you all must know as Christian people, as I have loved you, really stands out in, in the Bible. Now, when we think of that phrase, you know, I think very often we are immediately sort of taken up with, ourselves when we think of that phrase, Strange enough, because we're thinking of how that applies to our relationship as one another in the church and brothers and sisters in the church. And we're preoccupied with ourselves and with our own behavior toward one another in the church. Or maybe, you know, we think of it particularly in, in terms of our, our, our marital relationship and how we as husbands ought to do more Uh, for our wives. So we can be preoccupied, as we often are, you know, when we look at the Bible and in our preaching, far too preoccupied with ourselves. It could be, too, uh, that we can be sort of thinking in terms of Christ himself, and that be the end point of our meditation, if we're thinking beyond ourselves and thinking of God, as I have loved you. Certainly, that should be the case that we think of Christ and of the love of Christ. But it's very, very interesting that in this passage, uh, there's something more said about the love of Christ. And we're to go deeper than considering, shall we say, even the cross. We're to go deeper than that when he says in John 15 and verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Mm. And so, you know, we're taken beyond uh, ourselves and our propensity to make um, applications and to think of ourselves and how we're behaving. We're even taken beyond Christ and the cross. Mm. And we're taken to, in the final analysis, to the love of the Father for the Son. And so we're, we're taken right into the midst of the Trinity, as it were, in into the love of the Trinity, of which we know virtually, shall we say, nothing. And yet we know everything in that it's painted out and portrayed in the love of Christ for the church. But it begins there with the love of the Father for the Son. It's very, very interesting in John 1 um, uh, that when it talks in John 1 of the Word, the Son, and the Father, it uses a particular word meaning that they're facing one another, the Father and the Son, which is a strangest sort of thing when one thinks of the Trinity. And at that point, the Holy Spirit is not mentioned. But the Father and the Son are presented as facing one another. And one never faces one another, certainly eternally unless there's absolutely no shadow of turning between those two persons is that not true you know that these two father and son were eternally in a state of love and joy and complete harmony with one another yeah. so it's it's immense it's great it's unique absolutely it's totally beyond comprehension, this love of the Father for the Son. And that's where we're to begin when we think of the love of Christ for the church. So you, you, you draw your standard and you draw your substance, as it were, from that relationship. Mm. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So, you know, the love of Christ for the church is of the same substance as that love of the Father for the Son. Nothing different, but of exactly the same kind. And, and of course, you could draw those parallels that I've sort of mentioned there. Things like the uniqueness of the love of Christ for the Church, as the uniqueness exists between the, the love of the Father for the Son. You could th- think of the love of Christ for the church as being something that is never-ending and eternal. He loved us to the end, John 13. That's exactly as it is between the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. And that's the love that we have in Christ for the church. So it merely it, it carries on that same love of the Father for the Son is there. Same love, love of the same kind. Of the same substance, I've, I've termed it for us as members of the church, for the people of God, eternal, unique, and clearly demonstrated in the in the cross, particularly um, in not only in the cross but in the cross for people who are. Undeserving of every aspect of his love for them, and that's us, isn't it? You know, he loved us while we were still hostile. He he died for us while we were sinners. That went on uh, in in the in the heart and in the life of Christ. So it's it's certainly the love of Christ is demonstrated particularly in that in that marvelous uh, unique. Uh, expression of, of 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 sacrifice of uh, and of surrender um, mm-hmm. to the Father's will uh, in his in his loving loving the Church. Now only then, having gotten to that point, are we to think of ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. when we think of of the love of the Father for the Son and the love of Christ for the Church, then you can think of yourselves. And you can draw those parallels where we, too, in our relationships with one another, are to be deeply sacrificial, loving our brothers and sisters and and loving, loving our wives as Christ loved the church. But, you know, the interesting thing is, and I I sort of thought it it catches you again, that verse, verse 9 of chapter 15, where it says, as the father has loved me. Don't miss that. You know, so I have loved you. Oh, I like that phrase. It's there in chapter 13 as well. And in Ephesians 5, in reference to the husband and the wife. But what does it say is the first application? The first application actually is not to do with us and our relationships and our relationship with our wife uh, as a husband. It's not to do with that. The first application is, therefore, Abide in my love. That's the first application where to abide in his love, and we abide in his love, in that we walk with him obediently. That's how we abide in his love. That's that's the first preeminent application. And again, don't we again avoid that? Because we we, we love the flesh, we love the, the visible. We, we turn sort of naturally and immediately to things that we can tick off and handle and, and sort of assess. Someone else can assess, such as our love for one another and our love for our wife and husband. But we, we find that whole concept of abiding in his love, which is the first and greatest application of this text. As the father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. And that's the thing that we should think of this morning when we think of the, of the cross and of Christ and of Good Friday. This is a good, good Friday, isn't it? Uh, because Jesus Christ died for our sins. So what would, should we do? Love one another? Yeah. Love our wife? Yes. But preeminently abide in his love. That's the, that's the preeminent uh, application. Remain in his love and You remain in his words, in remaining in his love. And you remain in his love, in obeying those words of Christ, which are inextricably linked to the person of Christ. Mm. Christ and his gospel and his words abide in his love. Now we're going to have the Lord's Supper now, and everyone's sort of invited, whoever you may be. Mm. If... And there's a big if, you know, you can, you can join the Lord's Supper uh, if you're perfect. Um, well, that excludes me. Now, but it doesn't exclude you, actually, because our perfection is in Christ himself, isn't it? So, you know, if you're in Christ and you, 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 you come to him in genuine repentance and love, and that's an ongoing aspect of your life today, that humility of repentance, then you come to the Lord's Supper. There's perfection in Christ, and, and there never will be in yourself as um, not joined to Christ. So you're welcome to come to the Lord's Supper on that basis. Mm-hmm. And Hanley's just going to lead us now.
1: Yeah, look, um, what a wonderful opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And uh, I think just carrying on with what Steve said, let's be reminded mm-hmm. that you know, when the Lord Jesus said on the night when he was betrayed, and he, he gave thanks and broke bread, and he says, This is my body broken for you. That was said in love. It was love that motivated him. And likewise with the cup of wine, when he says this is the blood of the new covenant, pour it out for you. That was done in love. And I think it's very crucial for us to understand that in everything Christ has done for us, especially on this Good Friday, going to the cross, enduring the shame, that painful and shameful death, it was all done in love towards us, even while we were sinners and far away from him. And therefore, really, as Steve says, this is open and... Uh, you know, the invitation is given to everyone who accepts His love, who takes His loving offer of invitation, of fellowship, mm. We come to the Lord's table, uh-huh. We're seated with the King, We're counted as one of His children, and all of it because of His wonderful love. So, so come and take the Lord's Supper, mm. if you've accepted His love, and you call Him your Lord, your Savior. Come and have the Lord's Supper and be, be encouraged. So mm. come when you're ready. Mm. Let's pray now. Eh? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you so much for your loving kindness. Thank you so much for your great love towards mm-hmm. this undeserving world. Lord, that popular and common verse of you loving the world so much that you sent your only son into this world, mm-hmm. that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Lord, let us never be uh, so used to it as to miss the glory of that of that verse, that you would love an undeserving and rebellious world, that you would love us even while we were enemies and sinners. And not only do you love us, Lord, purely in a sentimental way, but your love is a pure and full love, an infinite love that took action. And you sent your only beloved Son into this world to make payment for our sins, to make the way back to you open again. Well, we know, Lord, that all of this came at an infinite cost to you. The Holy One was crucified. And only at that cost could we be made right with you. But at cost now being made, everyone who receives Jesus, everyone who accepts his invitation and accepts his love, they now have the confidence based upon his death and resurrection that we are now perfectly accepted with you, Mm -hmm. that we are recipients of your great love, that you will never turn away from us, never ever turn away from all those who trust in your Son. Encourage us greatly, Lord, and especially uh, on this occasion as we remember the cross as we remember Christ, as we remember the love of God that motivated all of this. Mm. Help us to all be greatly encouraged. And we pray, Lord, that for those of us here perhaps who have yet to receive that love, help us to to begin to see how wonderful it is. Help us to begin to see how desperately we as human beings need to know your love, Mm. need to be um, reconciled with you. You're the one who made us, and we were made for you. So bless us all richly, Lord. Thank you so much for all of your great love. Help us to keep praising you to the end of our days and into eternity. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.